you are listening to the B-Cast. It's your cousin. It's Vic Cedeno, your host. It is another beautiful week. Today's Friday. Welcome. Welcome. It's Friday. Good morning, Friday. How are you? February 19th. I told you guys, February was Whack History Month for me. And Whack History Month has a significant date inside of it. And today is that date. One of the significant dates of Whack History Month for me is... February 19th, but it's controversial, controversial. We're going to get into that. We're going to get into that. We're going to get into some accountability. That's a big one for me. Accountability. I want to talk about what that means to me, guys. All right. Are you ready for a nice day? We're going to have a nice time. It's good. I'm so happy. Um, We're still back in the basement. By the way, I don't know if you've noticed my surroundings still in the basement. I'm never leaving never leaving guys before we get into anything you know that i'm trying to get rid of this pool table behind me right you see that pool table behind me that is a seven foot united billiards pool table bar style what that means bar style is that it looks like a pool table that you would find in a bar but it's not coin operated all right it's made for the home it's free it's free to come play at my house you just have to bring beer and weed and baser I need some baser baser um I'm trying to sell that pool table all right and I'm selling it online and somebody called me and they want to buy the pool table but they're like how many guys do you think I'll need to move it I'm like sir you don't need to worry about how many guys you need you just need to call the 18 18 pool tables that's who you need to call to move that shit because I can't tell you how many times they've showed up to people's houses to fix tables that have broken legs because people try to move them. Don't try to move your pool table, ladies and gentlemen. Do you know that your pool tables should be level? All right, see this table here is one piece of slate inside. That means that it does that 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 slate is just one piece. All right. Other tables have three pieces of slate. And if you move them, you shift the 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 slates that are screwed down inside and then you have little breaks in the th- listen just call the a team all right call the a team njnypooltableservice.com njnypooltableservice.com call them for all of your billiard and game room needs if you have things other than billiards william can help you all right the a team pool table services is the tri-state area's top pool table repair company All right, that means that table over there, it needs new cloth. It needs new rubber so that it can play well. A-Team's got you covered. All right, so while they're moving the table, that's the time to get the table fixed up because they already have it apart, and they're already there. So while they're moving the table, they'll take that cloth off. They'll take the cloth off of the the rubbers, all right, the the, the bumpers, 
and they'll take the cloth off of that. They'll take the rubber off. They'll put nice new rubber. They'll put new cloth on the whole table, put it back together, and that thing will play like new. Ladies and gentlemen, whether you need your pool table refurbished, refelted, or relocated, A-Team uses its more than 15 years experience in pool table repair in New Jersey to offer top-notch customer service and high-quality work, all right? They also offer pool table maintenance and moving services in Westchester County, Long Island, Manhattan, Brooklyn, and Queens. Call the A-Team Pool Table Services. I'm trying to convince him to get a van like the A-Team. Like, paint your vans black dope tires on them so I'm like especially with the snow that we're getting and put like a red stripe on it you know matte black with some red stripes on it bro that shit will stick out and when people show up to your house and you hit the horn and you're like dun, 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 dun. I'm telling you that is the way to do it 18 pool table service 18 pool table services specializes in one piece one piece Lee, like that table back there. Coin operated and antique pool tables. Those other tables they come in three pieces. We cater to northern New Jersey, Westchester County, all five boroughs of New York City and Long Island. Alright, they drive all around this area. You need them. They need you. You need them. It's a good relationship. All right. 18 pool table services. Um, when I start having guests around, I'm going to have my buddy William Alimo come on this and we're going to talk about pool tables forever and ever. And you guys will get it. All right. You guys will get it. Go on the 18 pool table services website. Check out their testimonials. All right. You can see what the clients are saying about them. They only post the good ones, though. They're not going to post the ones that go, hey, Bill, you're an asshole. All right. My table is still broken. You know why they don't post those? Because those don't happen. All right. 18 pool table services look just go check them out njnypooltableservices.com and get your pool table fixed today nobody wants to see you with your cruddy ass pool table all right also if you want to advertise on this podcast just hit me up hit me up i'll read about your i'll read about your business here and not only will it air on this podcast that's listened to by hundreds of people not only will it air on this podcast but i will also clip the video and give it to you so you can post it on your social medias all right and then all right 18 pool table services be like them all right i got the bills out of the way welcome back to the show it's morning man february 19th right now it is 6 40 in the morning i got work in a little while but um I wanted to jump on here quickly because um, it's going to be a busy weekend. I don't know if I'll get a chance to record. I need to have an episode out on Monday, baby. So that's when you're going to hear this. You're going to hear this bad boy on Monday. And oh, let's go quick up. The, let's run down the list here. Social media break still going on, still blacked out. Um, and I, you know what? I don't miss it. Don't miss. I miss the. I miss the thotties, of course. I miss the jokes, of course. I miss my boys talking shit. Um, I miss go like the the what's happenings in comedy on the local social media scene. I didn't. I'm missing open mics. Uh, I don't know what the weather is the day before. Kind of don't know what's going on in the news, but I kind of do. Cause I do that. I do the news app, uh, the Apple News app, 
So I kind of know what's going on in the news. Um, but other than that, I, I am just, I, I'm so, I'm trying to fucking talk here. I have so much less anxiety than I normally walk around with because there is like so much anxiety in um, the anticipation of what people are going to say, the anticipation of how people are going to react, the anticipation of um, how people, I, th- I think I said what I needed to say. That stuff gave me so much anxiety, the anxiety of, um, you know, politics and things like that. Like all of that made me anxious, especially when I opened my phone and I would spend so much time uh, consuming content, other people's content. And it's not like I'm doing anything special with the time I have now. I've been playing video games. I've been focusing on, um, you know, my current situation so it's been good that i had this extra free time really good and really really beneficial to me to be with so much less anxiety especially this month with all the things that are going on whack history month and now adding to it the new situation still can't talk about it um soon Soon I'm going to drop an episode and and air out my own dirty laundry. But right now I can't um, just because of other people's privacies. Like I've said before, um, due to other people's privacy, um, I'm just keeping it a hush. All right. I'm not hiding anything. I'm not trying to avoid talking about something. I want to talk about it so that I can get it off my chest because this podcast for me is like therapy Um, it is the, it gives me an outlet to talk and it gives me an outlet to do something I don't do a lot. And that's talk about my feelings. I'm very closed off. Um, I'm very guarded. Um, and like I was saying in the, in the last episode, like, I just feel like I'm really starting to feel like that, that when you talk to people, they just respect you less when you tell people about your problems. So I'm not one to complain. I'm not one to, um, just i'm not one to cry about my situation i suffer in silence so having this podcast and having this outlet to speak about things that are going on in my life has been very helpful to me uh it gives me something to look, to look forward to and um it's given me something to do also without comedy and <clears throat> so i'm happy about that um but this is the month, the, the this social media break. Um, people always ask me, well, why are you doing it in February? The shortest month. It's the shortest month. It's also the month with the most anxiety for me. Uh, coming off of January, I actually started reading about this. And there is like a holiday season hangover. I have to keep looking at my lips. Hold on. This chapstick is out. If you are a chapstick user... You may never see this. See that? That chopstick? See, you can't see it. Look, and I'm spinning it. It's fucking empty, bro. I mean, have you ever used a chopstick till it's empty? I usually lose them. All right, so anyway. 
this this month it's just filled with a lot of anxiety for me for a lot of people a lot of people january and february is a very shitty months for them you know you get the hangover the holiday hangovers and then you have another year that you're dreading because you don't think things are going to get better you don't have any plans you don't have any goals um sounds like me right now and i um Having the social media break this month allows me to take a step back from all the nonsense and just like focus on my own thoughts, focus on the things I'm thinking about, because when I'm consuming social media, I am I'm escaping my own thoughts and I'm escaping my my own life and I'm going into your life and your life is now my entertainment, your misery. All right, because just because you pretend on social media like I do that everything's okay doesn't mean people don't know that your fucking life's a disaster. And it's good entertainment. Your life burning and um, falling apart is excellent entertainment for people. So shout out to all of you that keep it 100 on social media and talk about your problems uh, because those of us that are have our own problems um, find it very entertaining. Uh, I don't like other people's miseries, but I like to see other people misery. I don't want other people to be miserable, but I like seeing other people miserable because then I feel like I'm not alone. I identify with that because I'm miserable. All right. I'm miserable. I probably never really admitted that, but I'm miserable and it's not. It's me inside. It's not anything that's going on outside of me. It's nobody that's putting any pressure on me. It's nobody that's, um, you know, making me miserable. It's just me and how, how my mind operates and how my thoughts operate. It just makes me miserable inside. Right? All right. But I have a, this defense mechanism called humor in which... I like to laugh about things. I've been laughing about things my whole life. All right. I took a pretend picture on my dad's casket. I've been pretending my whole life. All right. Pretending about my emotions. I was six years old. My dad was dead. Somebody told me to take a picture while I was next to my dad's casket. Can I take a picture of you? Weird fucking photo op. So I put my arm on the casket like this and I went, because I'm supposed to be sad. They took the picture and then I went and ran and played. But I knew I was supposed to be sad. So I've been molding my emotions to what I think other people want them to be in order for them to feel comfortable. Because I'm super empathetic. Super empathetic. I go out of my way to like accommodate other people's feelings and how other people are going to feel around my actions. So anyway, what are we talking about? Oh, yeah. Whack history. So February 19th. Um was the day that I had to turn myself in for sentencing in 2004. So in 2004, I, February 2004, so 2003 is when I got arrested. Um, August of 2003, I got arrested uh, by an undercover police officer, and um, I got a lawyer, and from August throughout the year, um, we just kept delaying motions you know delay and delay and rescheduling um by september i left september i went to florida 
I went to my mom's house and I told my mom I'm not going back. And she's like, you have to go back. You, you know, you're, you're in trouble. I was like, fuck that. I'm not going back. I'm not going to jail. By this time, uh, by like, f- I would say by October, my lawyer was telling me that you have to go to jail. There's no deal. You have to go to jail. You're going to have to go to prison. There's no way out. Because of the um, mandatory minimum laws. Thank you, Joe Biden. The mandatory minimum laws made it so that because I uh, distributed marijuana in a school zone, I had to go to jail. Even though it was my first offense. Even though it was just weed. Even though the cop knew I wasn't a drug dealer. They knew I wasn't a drug dealer because I told them so. I told them I'm not a drug dealer. I can get you weed, though. But they wanted to use me to get um, other people. So they wanted to ruin my life or put me in a position to ruin my life so that I would um, tell them who I was buying weed from and they can keep going up the ladder. Real fucking 21 Jump Street shit there. And um, whatever. So they there was no deal to be made. So they couldn't. Um, they still had to, you know, give me time, but I got out of it. Um, where was I? Oh, when I went to Florida, I was telling my mom, I didn't want to go back. I didn't want to go to jail. I can just stay down here. They're not going to come get me down here. But my, uh, cousin was a bail bondsman. He had posted my bail. So he would have come and and got me for that $15,000. He knew where I was. So, um, I was like, fuck, I got to go back. Um, so I made arrangements with my lawyer and we settled on a date for my return to, um, turn myself in for sentencing. Um, that was, that was it. Sentencing and allocution was, they had already made all the motions. They couldn't put it off anymore. You couldn't postpone anymore. Um, and they set the date February 19th, 2004, I would have to um, arrive at the courthouse in Hackensack, New Jersey, and turn myself in. And um, I had to come back. Uh, I was staying by my ex's house. I was like, let me stay here until I go to jail. Why am I going to get a place? You know, so I stayed with her um, probably for like a month, maybe. I think I I came back like mid-January. I probably came back like mid-January. I think I had like um, one. um, I might have to come back January for a court date. And then that court date was when they set the the date for sentencing, February 19th. So anyway, February 19th, that was the date that I was sentenced. I had to turn myself into jail, uh, drove to jail. I remember my brother went with me to jail. And uh, well, he went went with me to the courthouse. And he told me something on the way there. And I remember it was just being stressed. How am I going to do this? Like, you know, it was not only just going to jail. It was, you know, everything I was signing for after in drug court, all of the responsibilities. And I was just like, how am I going to do all this? And my brother said, if you want to beat them, just do everything they tell you to do. And I didn't understand what that meant like on a philosophical level. I didn't dive deep into it that day. I just thought 
if I do everything they tell me to do, I can't get in trouble. You're right. Like that, it just dawned on me. I don't want to be in trouble no more. I don't want to be in trouble. I'm not a fucking criminal. All right. I don't want to be in jail. I don't want to be, um, you know, committing crimes. I don't want to lie to people. I don't want to be conniving. I don't want to manipulate. I don't want to be that. I don't. I don't want to be any of those things. I just want to be like a regular person. Um, I don't want to be honest. I don't even want to be a regular person. I just want to be like an honest working person. I don't want to steal from anyone. I don't want to uh, con anyone or anything like that. Later on, we'll go into conning. But I didn't want to be part of any crime, right? I was already devastated that I was going to jail. I was so ashamed. I was so ashamed that this is what I was doing. My mom busted her ass so hard for her life. And she didn't do it just for her. My mom didn't work so hard for her. She didn't have fucking beautiful things. She didn't take vacations. She didn't fucking go anywhere. She didn't do shit for herself. My mom worked that hard so that I didn't grow up in a shitty fucking neighborhood and end up in jail. So here I am from the fucking suburbs where my family from the Bronx makes fun of me because I'm white. And here I am going to fucking jail like an asshole. Like, but that's what I felt like my whole life. Like I was too much of an asshole to fit in with the white kids. And I'm too much of a fucking white kid to fit in with the assholes, right? So I shouldn't say assholes with the criminal minded, all right? With the thugs, with the hood, all that shit, all right? I, um... I I didn't want I, I just I didn't want that life anymore. Um, thug life disintegrated right there. Like before that, I had thug life tattooed across my belly, and then after that, it just washed off. It wasn't a fucking tattoo; it was a marker. So I um like instantly. So when he my brother said that to me, it just was like, hey, do what they tell you to do, do, and you won't get in any trouble. Right. But that advice was so much deeper. That advice was so much deeper because it it taught me a lesson that I didn't understand up until that point. And this is very, very important, very important lesson was that not only was it for me to win to do what they tell me to do, but it wasn't, I, it taught me that I can't win by hurting myself. And that's something I did. It was a strategy I had for a long time was trying to win by hurting myself. All right. By showing people like, I told, you know, like, I don't give a fuck. All right. I don't give a fuck is an immature response to something. It really is. It's an immature, scared, underdeveloped mal-equipped um response when you respond with i don't care it's because you don't have any other tools in your arsenal to deal with things all right when you say i don't care about something it's because you're you're emotionally unequipped to deal with the situation all right it's uh, it's it's an escape 
All right. And I did that my entire life, my all of high school. When people would I get in trouble to show you how much I didn't care, I would get in more trouble thinking that I'm proving something to you, proving that I like like I thought I was winning. I thought I was winning by by doing stuff at my own expense. By getting kicked out of class, by having an attitude, by not doing homework, by not doing classwork, by not doing things that would better me, I thought I was showing you who's boss. And I fucking wasn't. I wasn't. I was hurting myself. There's no other way around it. By getting kicked out of class... Like, you know, when you have a teacher you don't like, I had to have a teacher that I didn't like and I would purposely get out of, kicked out of their class because fuck them. That's why. What are you going to show me? When in reality, for me to beat them would have been to do everything they said in their class by their rules and still won by getting an A on their fucking rules. That's how I would have won. That would have been a victory. Instead, I lost with an attitude with an attitude so when my brother told me that do what they say and you they can't do anything to you if you want to beat them do everything they say if you want to beat them do everything they say if you want to beat them do everything they say fuck man that changed the game for me that changed the game if I did not have that advice, I could have went into there with that same attitude where that when I would have been challenged, when I would have been in positions where I thought authority didn't like me. Because people have attitudes. People in positions of power have attitudes. Not everybody's going to like you. The nicest people in the world may not like you. Just your face, just your fucking demeanor, things about you, the way you carry yourself, the way you talk. People will not like you for these reasons. And then if they're in positions of authority and then you sense that, how do you fight back? I used to fight back with an attitude. Oh, I'm not going to do it then. Fuck you. What are you going to do? What's your punishment? I can take your punishment. That's what I wanted to show people. Like I can take your punishment. When in reality, I could have just been like, I'll put myself in a position where you can't punish me because I'm excellent. What are you going to punish me for? I do all your rules. What are you going to punish me for? I should, I could have exposed you. Instead, I expose myself. Fucking strategy, bro. My strategy was off. That was a complete failure of doing of the way to do things. And I did that my whole life. I'll show you. I'll show you. You don't like it. I'll show you. When I had an attitude with somebody, that's it. That's the fucking rules. And now at work, yesterday was a perfect example of how you don't let people beat you by playing by the rules, right? Because I have a problem with somebody I work with. I do. I have a, I have a problem with somebody I work with. Somebody I work with I went behind my back. There's something wrong with, you know, work problems. They went behind my back. They emailed the owners, my fucking boss, my vice president, the owners of the company. Everybody has said that I don't care about my job and that I'm home all day and I obviously don't care about what's going on. Like that's what that's what the email was, and the, the funny thing was is that luckily my boss knew that it wasn't me that was part of the problem. Like this was a problem with the building and the customer, and like that was their issues, and I didn't. It wasn't me that 
that was responsible for the situation that called for that email. So I've, I've had a fucking problem with this person. And then I made a mistake yesterday and that person called me out on it. And my initial response, my initial, my initial emotional, um, ego driven response wanted to be sarcastic and just say, you know, like, oops, oh, you know, like, and that only leaves me open, right? It would have been snarky. It would have been sarcastic. I would have, you know, maybe smiled about it, chuckled. It would have been funny to me. But guess what? That that would have left me open because then my boss sees that, um, my owners see that, and they just see my action. They don't see the reasoning behind that. They don't understand my emotions behind that. They don't get any of the other context. They just see me being an asshole, and then I lose, right? But instead, what I responded with was, hey, I apologize. I made a mistake. Uh, I made a mistake. I apologize for any any inconvenience that my mistake may have caused you because guess what? I did make a mistake. All right. And I was being accountable for it. Kids up. Hopefully she doesn't pop up down here. I was being accountable for it, but I won. I won that because it just showed because there's people that do know I have problems with this person. And they see that even though I do have problems with this person, I'm still being professional. I'm still being accountable. I'm still being responsible. I'm still being a fucking man. So very important lesson, right? Very important lesson that I learned with that lesson. February 19th, bro. Um, so that's that, that lesson of, not self-sabotaging myself. I'm not proving anything to no one that way. You know what I mean? So, um, yeah. So February 19th, so I was sentenced. I had to do five years in the system in drug court. So five exact years after that, February 19th, 2009, I completed the program and that was my last day. So that was a cool day too. But on that last day, this is how things work. Funny how like one part of my life ends and then another part immediately begins. That day that ended February 19th, that ended my, um, my sentence. I was free. I was done with the state. February 20th, 2009, I was a free man. I was no longer part of the system. I could vote again. That was over. I paid my debt to society. Five years, fines, license suspension. I paid my debt. I did everything. And I was a fucking better person because of it. I became such a better person because of it. On that day, that same day, after work, I went to the gym. February 19th, 2009. I went to the gym. I'm free. I'm like happy. You know, court's over. And uh, I get introduced to someone that I was looking at at the gym. I was just checking this chick out for a while at the gym. And I never talked to her because she always had her hat down and she was real quiet about things. And I didn't want to. Um, I'm not somebody that goes up to people. I don't have game. I don't have game where I can go up to girls and talk to them. Um, but I had been checking this girl out. I wanted to talk to her, but I never did. But on this day, February 9th, 2009, we were introduced to each other uh, by a mutual friend uh, who started a conversation with the both of us. And then we all started talking 
Then that person left, and I stayed talking with this young lady. And on February two thousand, February nineteenth, two thousand and nine, I met my wife. I met her. We had a conversation, and from that day forward, we did not stop talking. We talked every single day, and um, one thing led to another. Uh, a few months after that, uh, wait, no, by. By August, by end of August, maybe September of that same year, 2009, I realized that the relationship was going to be serious and I quit working at Savage Men in Atlantic City, the male review that I was a massage host at. And um, she just was upset that I kept coming home with um, piles of sweaty singles and she just wondered what I was having to do with for those bills. Hmm. Um. Yeah, so then I knew, was, uh, and I wanted to quit. I like it. Just that's how it went. So I know, I know we're having a lot of problems now and creating more whack history moments, um, whack history month moments this month. But can uh, I can't think about February nineteenth without thinking about meeting my best friend, my best friend in the whole world, and my wife, my partner, um, mother of my child. And that's not part of Whack History Month. That was probably, that's the best thing out of February for me. Um, because so much happened out of that. My wife's the one that told me to go to com- go into comedy. Um, you know, our kid, um, everything. Just everything is, um, where I am today is a large part is because I met her that day. And it changed me. It made me want to become a better person. Um, and I did. So that's nice. That's nice. <sighs> Ladies and gentlemen, Februarys, the Februarys, the Februarys. Pain in the ass, but it's almost time for me to go to work. Why? Well, I have to go to work. Wrap this baby up. Um, yep. Yeah, so I think the main takeaway I, I wanted to talk about accountability and um, and being accountable for your actions. And I have like this weird level of accountability where everything's my fault. Everything is my fault. And the reason that I think this way that everything is my fault because when everything is my fault then I have the ability to control things more and what I mean is I can control how I respond to things all right if things are my fault then I don't play the blame game with other people okay um when things are my fault I have the power to change how I deal with things I can only control my part of every situation that I'm in. If I have a problem with you, I can't control how you act, but I can control how I react to you. That's accountability. I'm accountable for how I react. Even if it's your fault, what did I do that put me in that position to allow you to do that to me? That's accountability. When you stop blaming other people, you take control of your own life. You ever talk to somebody and they tell you about their problems, but they never tell you how they're responsible for their own problems. It's always someone else. It's always something else. It's always this. It's always that. And it's never them, bro. It's always you. It's always you. 
always. And when you think like that, when you take the blame for everything else, you feel so much more powerful. The amount of power I feel when it's my fucking responsibility for how I feel, for how I act, for how I carry myself. I can control all of that. But when I'm constantly being a little bitch about shit and saying it's their fault, their fault, poor me, poor me. You don't ever get to any solutions. You know, you can't solve problems that you didn't cause. But if you cause the problem, you can solve it. So fucking be accountable for everything, even when you don't want to be at work. Sometimes I make mistakes. I made mistakes at work. I thought I was going to get fired for legit. I've made work. I've made mistakes at work where I thought I was going to get fired and I still was accountable because you have to be because you have to be when you're accountable. People trust you. When people know you're accountable, they trust you. When people know that you aren't accountable they don't want to work with you who wants to work with somebody when it's never their fault you know you're going to get blamed you know you're going to get blamed at work in my job when when there's a mistake i made a mistake when there's a victory we made a victory teamwork leadership like that's how leaders act i make mistakes i fucked up we did a great job we are the best. You understand? Teamwork. Even when I get compliments for things, like it's it's a team effort. We all did this. When I make mistakes, I made the mistake because I can't control it. If I say we made the mistake, then I'm going to be waiting for you to make changes. I'm going to be waiting on you. I can't control you. I can control me. That's a fucking key. That's like the big fucking key, man. Accountability when you can control and you take responsibility for your own actions. You're powerful. You are so much more powerful because you have control. You can change things. If you don't like something about somebody, don't try to change them. Change how you react to it because you can control that. You can't control other people. You just can't. Just like you can't control a virus. Oh, I said it. Um, what else? Um, that's it. Um, social media break, February 19th, Black History Month, all that good stuff. Uh, I'm going to be trying, I've, starting in March, I'm going to be coming up with a new segment for the podcast. I believe I am. I like this idea. It's going to be called The Shit I Post. And um, basically, oh, God, fucking shit. Speaking of shits. Um, the shit I post is going to be about the shit I post online. All right. And just explaining it more and giving more context to it. Um, just because it gives me something to talk about. And I like talking about, um, I get to explain more what my reasoning is behind it. And hopefully it'll help me avoid getting canceled. I got to go because my butthole is going to explode. But uh, thank you for listening. I appreciate you guys. Uh, remember, accountability gives you the fucking power, not them. All right. If you do what they say, you'll win. I love you guys. Baby. Goodbye. You're listening to my daddy of the Beacon.